I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. So the Tigers basketball team will not be in action until Friday. They'll take on the winner of the SMU-UCF game in the American Athletic Conference Tournament. Uh, we'll talk about that when we get to it, but we have a little bit to discuss here. Houston recap, the whole nine yards with Christian Fowler of Bluff City Media at C. Fowler BCM on Twitter, also host of the On the Bluff podcast with yours truly. Christian, what's the word, man? How are we? Oh, doing good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Yeah, how was uh, – so that that scene for that Houston game, to see the 18,000 deep, that was, that was something we've been waiting for all year, finally get it in the in the season finale yeah it was it was incredible and like you said it's something that we've been waiting on you know there's been a lot of talk about the crowds this year and what they've been like and the energy and the form and stuff like that and this kind of at least soothed it all because this was an incredible atmosphere I mean I can't remember an atmosphere that big in quite a while like right just thinking about the the magnitude of the game with the number one team coming in regular season finale you know, just trying to draw back. I can't think of anything within the last, I guess, year or so that that's been that big. So it was, it was a heck of a lot of fun. Obviously, it didn't turn out in Memphis's favor, but it was cool to see. You know, them striping out the form, sold out, eighteen thousand people there, and you know, with it being March, one of the best games of the year. Yeah, and in that game, obviously Jamal Shed puts them sort of out of their misery there. That was that was ugly to see there at the end for for. The guys on the floor. But I said yesterday, it's hard for me to really take anything negative from that game. Down by nine at half to the number one team in the country, come back in the second half, lock down defensively, play decent offensively, and gave yourself a chance to win against the number one team in the country. I, I viewed that as positive and a loss as I could have possibly viewed it. Yeah, and we talked about this a little bit after the initial Houston loss that there were some positive to t- positives to take from it and that we weren't necessarily looking for moral victories in that situation, but there still were some. Obviously, from a national perspective, Memphis kind of started to get respected again after that first loss to Houston, and this one was even more impressive, I guess is the word to say. Right, <laughs> I guess you don't want right. to call a loss impressive, and and I'm with you. There's not too many negatives. I mean, you can nitpick it if you want to as far as, you know, just DeAndre Williams not Struggling. performing. Yeah, and, and there's just multiple factors you can look at and, and nitpick a little bit, but, you know, not hitting a three in the first half. So there are little things. But as far as the overall the overall takeaways from the game, I would say they're widely positive. So with Houston, though, overall, I want your thoughts. Like, what what do you think about them come tournament time? They're likely going to be a number one seed. Uh, they'll be able to get through the AAC tournament, it looks like, relatively easily. You get the winner 
of South Florida, East Carolina, then play Temple or Cincinnati. Like they, they are better than those teams, and especially on a neutral court, I feel like they can move through the championship relatively uh, easily. What, what do you think about them as a tournament team, though, in that situation? In the conference tournament or the NCAA, in the NCAA tournament? tournament? NCAA, I don't know. Houston's kind of a difficult team to figure out because they're arguably the best coach team in the country. Right. Uh, people that have listened to me know how I feel about Kelvin Sampson. I think he's he's in a small group of coaches that could be considered the best in the country. I know he hasn't won a national championship at Houston, but when you look at just what he's done with the amount of talent, like they're not bringing in five-star guys. I think the only five-star guy that he's gotten at least in the past five or six years is Jarris Walker. Yeah. Other than that, it's pretty much mid-range three and four stars that are coming in and being developed into top caliber players at the collegiate level. So he does an incredible job. When you look at what they do schematically, uh, both defensive and offensively, they're very crisp and smooth in what they do. Each player knows their role. A lot of that uh, is because of Kelvin Sampson and the coaching staff. So they, they are a difficult team to figure out because defensively, uh, they're easily one of the best teams in the country, but offensively they can have lulls. And, you know, I've talked about this. I liken them to Tennessee. I think they're better than Tennessee, but they kind of mm-hmm. have they have similarities in, in which their defense is incredible, but some nights their offense doesn't show up. And so do I think they could go to Elite Eight, Final Four, possibly even a national championship? Yes, they could. But it's hard for them to have that much consistent offense and what? five or six games right. that you have to win to get to that point. Right. Um, so I kind of see them as an Elite Eight team. I, I think they're a pretty safe Elite Eight team. Um, but could they go higher? Yes. Could they get put out in Sweet 16 or even the round of 32 on a huge upset? They absolutely could because they could have an off game offensively. And yeah. they don't have someone that can just consistently go get like 20 to 25. I know Sasser is incredible, right. but I don't, I don't think he's just an at-will scorer like that. And, and it really feels like, as much as we talk about Marcus Sasser, he's getting player of the year, thought, there's a lot of people with that thought process. Jamal Shedd seems to set the table for that entire team every game. Yeah, I think you can go either way with that, and I think you heard Kendrick Davis say that after the game, that he believes that Jamal Shedd is their best player and he's their engine. And I can buy that he's their engine because he does so much defensively and he's he's just a great player. He's one of the most underrated players, I believe, in the American Conference. But I wouldn't say he makes that team tick. I would I would right. still say Marcus Sasser makes that team tick just the way that he distributes, the way that he but, also plays defense, the way that he can knock down shots. I, I really I really like his game, but Jamal's right there. They're, they have an incredible isn't it Isn't it kind of similar, like the foils you can draw to a lot of different um, – Kelvin Sampson teams. Like, I, I would liken Marcus Sasser to Quentin Grimes and then Jamal Shedd to Dejon Giroux on that on that fantastic yeah. team a couple years back. Yeah, there, there's absolute similarities. Like, it, there's always a Batman and Robin type scenario with Kelvin Sampson's team. It's never one guy leading the charge. They have three to five guys, at least over the past four years, they've had three to five guys that can really carry that team on any nightly basis and you see that this year with this year's team Jarris walker jamal shed tremont mark marcus sasser jawan roberts like they've got really good players all throughout that can have good good games on any given night yep. 
Yeah, and what, what Kelvin Sampson does in getting the best out of his role players is unbelievable. Talking with Christian Fowler from Bluff City Media. Now, the Tigers AAC tournament, it's kind of funny, uh, and, and we talked about this. Uh, when you look at their sort of draw, you get likely UCF if UCF beats SMU, but you get the winner of UCF versus SMU. Then you have to play Tulane, likely. They're the higher seed. Then it would be Houston again. All three teams that they lost to in conference play are the teams they're likely going to have to get through to be able to go win a conference championship. It, 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 you get the two seed. You expect better results to be in a better spot, but you do get a tough draw in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, they absolutely do. Like you mentioned, the only three teams that they lost to in the American this year, two to uh, Houston and Tulane respectively, and then one to UCF and very easily could have been two to UCF come down to the, you know, the last second layup by DeMaria Franklin. So it's a, it's an, it's a very unfortunate draw with UCF being a seven C because like you said, they'll likely beat SMU. SMU's kind of the whipping boy of the American this year. They're not good. Um, and UCF has been up and down. They're not great. They're not a team that necessarily should scare you. I think if, if Memphis would have taken better care of them in the two games that they played them, uh, we wouldn't be as worried about it. But they just played Memphis well in, in those two games. They had two really good games. Uh, at least in the first game, they had a really good game. The second game, I would say you could probably make the argument that Memphis had more of a bad game, uh, just the way that they played. Obviously, once Kendrick Davis went down, they, they couldn't find any rhythm offensively. So UCF doesn't terrify me. As long as they don't overlook them, I think they can get through that. And then when you look at Tulane and Houston, those are major revenge games. The two teams that swept them in the American this year, and they – you know, have the potential to get back at them, you know, in this stage in Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. Now, Jerry Palm did a conference tournament write-up uh, about the American Athletic Conference, and he said on Memphis, I think the Tigers can still be an at-large team thanks to wins over A&M and Auburn, but that could change if they lose to someone besides Houston in the conference tournament. I, how do you read that? Like, what, what is there any situation that you foresee that really puts the Tigers – strictly on the bubble and in an uncomfortable spot, maybe sweating on Selection Sunday? I mean, if SMU beat UCF and they lost to SMU, maybe. Right. Um, but I I just don't understand that sentiment at this point in the season. Like, with the body of work that they put together this year, uh, being top, I believe, 35, finishing the regular season top 35 net and Kim Palm, and we're talking about you know them not being in the tournament, that just – that doesn't really sit right with me or, or make much sense. We've seen how competitive they've been. Alabama was number two when they played them, lost by three. Uh, Houston, what, what was Houston the first time? Number two when they played them in Houston, I believe. Number two I, or number I'll three. I'll have to look into it, but I believe you're. I believe you're close to that. I think it was yeah, something like that. Yeah, they were number I think, two. I think. I think number two. Yeah, and you know they kind of take them down to the wire without Kendrick Davis, and then they lose to the number one team in the country on a buzzer beater. So they've played three top three games and lost by a combined, what, 13 points? Yeah. And eight of those coming in one game. And then on top of that, you mentioned beating A&M, beating Auburn. Like, they, it just, it, to me, it doesn't make sense to say, oh, if they don't beat, you know, if, if the only team that they lose to is Houston, then we can talk about, that, about them being 100% that large team. I, I don't I don't believe that. I, I think it's hard for me to see any way them not being in that large team this year. Talking with Christian Fowler from Bluff City Media. Now, Kendrick Davis named third-team All-American by the Sporting News. Last Sporting News All-American for the Tigers was CDR in 2008. I mean, is there any question, when we talk about the Penny Hardaway era, is there any question that this is the best player we've seen in the Penny Hardaway era? Uh, it's it's pretty undoubtable. I mean, from an, you know, I, I think a lot of people nowadays look at 
collegiate players as already NBA talents, if that makes sense. Like when you're looking at right. Jalen Duran, Imani Bates, guys, people always look at you know their NBA projections, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the collegiate level. There are guys that make All American teams every year at the college level who never perform in the NBA or you know you know never make it on an NBA roster other than a G League affiliate. So that argument doesn't make sense. I think we just kind of get we just kind of get uh, the lines blurred between the NBA and college now. Mm-hmm. But absolutely. You know, I think there's been good players. Uh, Jeremiah Martin was incredible. Penny's first year. Uh, Jalen Duran last year was unstoppable towards the end of the season. Precious Achiwa uh, was incredible in his one season at Memphis. But what Kendrick Davis has done this year, well, like you mentioned, the first Sporting News All-American since CDR. I mean, yeah. that's that kind of sp- – that kind of says everything that you need to know about what Kendrick Davis has done this year. And I, I'm close to, I had another question when it comes to when we talk the best of and, and Kendrick Davis. The 21st century, when we talk about point guards that have been on campus, Jeremiah Martin, Derrick Rose, and Kendrick Davis, where, where do you think he's at in, in that conversation? We're talking strictly since 2000. I'm not going to put Keith Lee and Penny Hardaway in that conversation. They were first team All-American. I bet they were unanimous in, in those selections as well, but like Kendrick Davis since the since 2000, as far as uh, sort of a, a true table setting point guard, do you think he's at the top of that list? That's that's a difficult one because we know what Derrick Rose did for this program, but Derrick right. Rose didn't really start catching his until the full tournament. stride until the tournament. That's when he kind of became Derrick Rose. He was solid all year, but had the inconsistencies that most freshmen do. So. If you look at it from this point in the season, like let's say if we looked at regular season Derrick Rose his freshman year and Kendrick Davis this season, I think that it's pretty easily uh, Kendrick Davis and and what he's done. Now, (laughs) Derrick Rose took that team to the national championship. Of course. So that obviously puts a big feather in Now, granted, you know, you have have CDR, you have Joey Dorsey, Robert Dozier, Tone. Like, you had some dudes, right? Whereas I think the the supporting cast on this team, you know, it's not going to measure up. Absolutely. So I I think if you're looking at the regular season body work, because that's all we can look at for Kendrick Davis right now, it would be KD. But, I mean, what Derrick Rose did in the tournament, taking that team to the – national championship, it's it's hard to make any argument against them. Mm-hmm. Last thing on the Tigers before, I, before we hop into the NFL, because it's interesting, we do have the uh, franchise tag deadline. And I want to get your opinion on Lamar. I want you to get your opinion on, on Aaron Rodgers as well, um, since you follow the NFL very closely. Um, but we had senior day against Houston. DeAndre Williams, Kendrick Davis, uh, Elijah McCadden, Demario Franklin, uh, Malcolm Dandridge, Chandler Lawson out there. Those were the six guys that were recognized. And I think Chandler Lawson could technically have one more year. Malco could have one more year. Keontae Kennedy's a senior that could have one more year. Who are the guys that you envision potentially staying one more year and, and wearing the uniform going into 2023-24? To yeah, it, it's all it's all decision-making at this point, right? Because if you're at this point in your collegiate career, the NBA is probably not really on right. the table, maybe overseas. So it's just like, do you want to continue playing? Like for guys like Malcolm and I believe Jaden has one more year as well. Like, do they want to continue to play, or you know, have do they want to go out on this ride? Is really what it comes down to. Obviously, I think Keontae comes back. Uh, I, I feel like he has a lot to prove still. I feel like he, I feel like his game can still expand a lot. You know, based off of what we've seen this year, I feel like he could only get better. Uh, Chandler's another guy that, you know, he could come back. 
a lot of people have been down on him this year, and he's had his struggles. But over the last couple of games, he's actually played really well. I mean, he had 12 rebounds in the SMU game and then was, what, the second, probably the second best player in the Houston game mm-hmm. on Sunday, either him or Malcolm. Uh, so that's another guy that, you know, does, does he decide to come back? Does he want to go somewhere else for his, his final season? Uh, do him and Jonathan want to stay for another year? So there's just obviously a lot of questions, and there's going to be a lot of turnover on this roster regardless. But I, I like for sure feelings. I feel like Keontae will be back. Um, Malcolm, if he feels like his body can hold up, I don't see why he wouldn't come back and and you know finish out his career, play for Penny for one more year. Jaden, same thing. If he if he still has the desire to play, why not play one more year for your dad? So uh, it'll be interesting to see what this roster looks like. We talked about this a little bit last week uh, on the show, but it's. It's going to be different. It's not going to be right. the same team as, as this year, that's for sure. Yeah, talking with Christian Fowler at C. Fowler BCM on Twitter. Now, if people listen to our podcast on the Bluff Pod at Bluff City Media, they know we talk a lot of NFL. I, uh, holler at me, brother. What, what, what ultimately, what do you think happens with Aaron Rodgers versus what do you hope happens with Aaron Rodgers this offseason? I do want to see him somewhere other than Green Bay. I just feel like that relationship from the top down has just completely soured. Yeah. And it has for what, three or four years now? It probably hasn't been very healthy, and they've just convinced him to come back, and he's decided to come back and play for Coach LaFleur. Obviously, even their relationship has been tumultuous at times, and uh, the Packers organization as a whole has shown an unwillingness to get him help as far as receivers go uh, and just weapons in general go. So I would like to see him go somewhere else and maybe to a team that's going to try to put a little bit more around him. I know the rumors right now are that he's uh, been in talks with the Jets. I believe that yep. came out today. It uh, looks like Woody Johnson flew to him in California, owner of the Jets. Right. And and that has some intrigue to it, right? Like Garrett Wilson, Offensive Rookie of the Year, had a great rookie season with very lackluster quarterback play. Uh, we know we know what he's capable of. He did it at the collegiate level and obviously did it, like I mentioned, this year, his first season in the NFL with a combination of Zach Wilson, Mike White, and Joe Flacco throwing in the ball. So he could really develop with Aaron Rodgers back there. Uh, and then you got Brees Hall, who would be coming off an ACL injury, Michael Carter. Yep. Uh, so there are some intriguing pieces on that team. Obviously, if they had a quarterback this year, they probably would have been a playoff team right. because their defense, defense, their was, defense was really good. So it would it would be interesting to see him play for a different team. Uh, it would be interesting to see the Jets be successful, and I feel like they could with Aaron Rodgers. And I think Robert Sala is a really good coach. He just hasn't had a quarterback yet, so we get to see uh, what he got to do with an elite level quarterback. History repeats itself, though, doesn't it? I mean, this is the exa- it feels very similar. Maybe it's a little more Brett tumultuous. Favre, it's the Brett Favre thing again. Same exact franchise to the same exact franchise potentially. Um, we're talking about MVPs, guys that have won a Super Bowl. I mean, it, it, history is repeating itself again. It's unbelievable to see. Now, also, before we get you out of here, Lamar Jackson gets the non-exclusive franchise tag. What What do you – because I've discussed this on the show multiple times. I, I sort of wonder what teams think about him from the pocket, if they can develop that a whole lot more. We know how talented he is. He's the only unanimous MVP since Tom Brady. Like, all of that is great. And also, you know, the hist- the injury history at this point is stacking up a tad bit where teams can-, can take a second look at that. 
What do you think he's valued like around the rest of the NFL? Since now it looks like teams can go offer him with that non-exclusive franchise tag and the Ravens will have an opportunity to match. I think we'll see. I think that's, I think that's a huge question mark, right? Because we know what the perspective is on Lamar Jackson from a media perspective, like from a national media perspective, like people have been drooling over him for years and they love him. And people talk about him as a top five quarterback. I don't see that personally. I, I love Lamar's athletic ability. I love what he, I love what John Harbaugh has done with him. I mean, he's completely changed that offense to fit Lamar, obviously being a run first team, uh, but also having the vertical passing attack and the underneath attack. So I think, I think any team that's going to be willing to to uh, to go pay Lamar has to be willing to change their entire offense, and that right. is got that's got to be a scary thought for offensive coordinators and and head coaches around the league because you don't do that. I mean, we look at these guys for the years and years that they've been coaching around, around the league, just different different coaches is what I'm speaking about. They don't change very much. You right. know, they may add new wrinkles and they may get up with the times, but to change their entire offensive scheme is uh, is a big ask. And we've already seen the Falcons have said they're not interested and they're not going to go after him. And they've got, I mean, they've got Desmond Ritter right now, and Logan Woodside, I believe, is their backup. <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, that I think that says a lot in and of itself. Now, obviously, that's only one team, and I don't think that will deter other teams if they feel like they can go win with Lamar Jackson, but right now the non-exclusive tag is, what, $32 million, I believe, on him? Mm-hmm. Which isn't absurd to pay a no. quarterback, and that's a, that's about the average for an upper echelon quarterback right now, maybe a little below average. But I just don't know if I would be willing to pay a guy that is, for all intents and purposes, in all intents and purposes, very one-dimensional, $32 million a right. year and, and have to also I, completely change the offense. I, I think the Ravens have not done a lot to surround him, and I think it's ridiculous that this has dragged on for so long. But if he's pocket-watching and wants a $250 million fully guaranteed contract, I just don't know if that's something that, that, that the Ravens should or, or uh, would or should be willing to, to offer him. Um, and obviously they haven't offered him that. I think it was $250 million, $133 million guaranteed. I do think – through the process of watching him with the Ravens, all of the Greg Roman talk um, and, and people disparaging him, that got to be a little laborsome because I feel like Greg Roman, yes, he's not a, he's not a quarterback uh, whisperer by any stretch of the imagination. He's not, not going to develop you as a, as a passer. But what he did in unlocking Lamar's athletic ability, I think people are a little short-sighted when it comes to disparaging him in that way. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's probably a level that we haven't seen for for Lamar Jackson yet, right? Because as you mentioned, it was such a run-first offense, and not only was it that, it's been an offense that's been without any weapons other than Mark Andrews. Yeah. I mean, they have Rashad Bateman, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy, and he just really hasn't had Sammy any. Watkins at age 30-whatever he is. The, the, uh, the, also the Hollywood, of Hollywood. Sammy Watkins. Right, right. Uh, also Hollywood before they traded him at the 2022 NFL draft. So he's had okay weapons, but nothing, nothing special at all, especially for like the standard of the league nowadays. But I don't know. It'll be interesting. And I think the whole Daniel Jones situation will make it interesting. As yeah. Well asking, oh my gosh. If he's asking for 40, 45 million. <laughs> like, okay. Lamar can definitely make more than 32. Yeah. Daniel Jones, you think he ultimately gets that though? 45 million? I, 
I mean, that would be That's, ignorant, yeah. in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I think he could be a $37.5, 37000000 dollars quarterback a year. I don't know how long that contract yeah. would be, but I, I don't count that out. But to pay a guy $45, $50 million a year who had one decent playoff caliber run in the regular season, I can't. Yeah, I yeah. and I, it's been it's it's been quarterback season right now. Geno Smith right. just got a three year, fifty two million. Uh, Derek Carr just got a massive deal with the Saints. So yeah. who knows? It was Money's a step down in pay, though. Right. It was a step down in pay per year on the on the right, but not. Year. I mean, not not exponential right. or anything it was like, like that. Four I thought, million I thought it was going to be lower than that. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, but we'll have to see. This would be a lot of movement this off season. Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson. Still have to be moved. But Christian, always appreciate it, man. Thanks for joining. All right, brother. Holler at you later. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Oh, 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 Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.